The Athletic. Totally football show today. Ahead of Charles and Camilla's big day, Man City Arsenal offers another group powered by state funds, inching closer to their coronation, although this one had the citizens on top. We ask, is that it for the title, or is Prince Harry still in with a shot? What happened to Arsenal? What does to bottle something mean anyway? Plus the other midweek news, Chelsea collapse latest, and Tottenham, whose next coach is a Mason, Ryan Mason. It's all in the Totally Football Show. Thursday the 27th of April, says the Canada listener. Although, little production secret, it's actually still Wednesday the 26th of April as I sit here in the studio with Duncan Alexander. All right, Duncan. Hi, James. Also Tom Williams. Hello, hello Tom. James. Yeah, hello to you. And uh, Matt Davis-Adams. Matt. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Am I too chipper? Sorry. No, that, that's good. Uh, and and me, you're bringing that energy, Matt, that energy with which you so brilliantly helmed uh, this show and others in my absence. You also will be turning up later on in this show as host uh, because you've pre-recorded today's uh, round of the Intertotally Cup, which features you, Tom. This is very confusing. Yeah, no, really. You wait till it happens at the end. And it's it's a little bit Italian in, its, uh, in, in the ethics because Matt is hosting a quiz between Tom and Agent Clark. Clark. Yeah. And the winner of, of that is going to go on to face Matt in the next round. But it's Matt's like, in charge it's like of this one. like Inception or something. It's mm. like Luciano Moggi did a quiz game yeah, or I'm something not, like I'm that. I'm not sure I like the implications here, really. I think I'd rather well, just be referred to as the MVP of this year's intertotally I mean, for both hosting and competing. I don't know what Tom thinks, but it's quite confusing to be sat opposite both. The presenters here, so <laughs> very much a Julia and Evan. No, look over here. Stop looking at him. And Steve Gret sort of scenario. Right, right. Do you want to do this next bit, Matt, or shall I? <laughs> you're the boss, James. I'm just the gaffer. Well, you're very, very kind. Uh, we have that. We have that totally into totally coming up later on. I'm looking forward to that. It's I don't an know. It's yeah. An mm. See, when Tom says that, does that mean he went through? Look at his face. Hmm. Look at his hands. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about that's enough about the intertotally because we have been waiting months and months for Manchester City to face Arsenal at the Etihad, and they went and did it on this Wednesday evening. So, without any further ado, this this is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. What a touch from Foden. Haaland! 49 and counting for this outstanding marksman. Erling Haaland. His flaxen locks are waving in the nighttime Mancunian breeze as uh, he waved goodbye to Arsenal, uh, who just kind of clawed their way almost back into the game with a goal from Rob Holding that made it. 3-1, but uh, Duncan, you're wincing at me because this was a game that was never in doubt from, for many people before it even started, but certainly from a couple of minutes in when Kevin De Bruyne scored that wonderful opening goal. Yeah, and before that, City had a penalty shout, um, oh, yeah. which was pretty strong. I think with the room was split here. I thought it looked like a penalty. Tom and, and James didn't, but... um. This BT Sport, you know, straight in for the totally, <laughs> totally irrelevant <laughs> well, penalty decision that had no, no bearing on the rest of the game. What I'm trying to do, Tom, is illustrate how 
good a start it was from City and they were straight on sure. the front foot. Mm. Well, Kevin um, De Bruyne. Yes. Yeah. Scored a great goal. Very rude one. I mean, we, we remember in the previous in the reverse game at, at Arsenal, they City went quite long in that game. Um, and they repeated the trick here. Haaland flicking on. Big man with a, with a little terrier feeding off scraps. But actually, it was Kevin De Bruyne bending a, a beautiful goal mm. past Aaron Ramsdale. And yeah, I mean, f- pretty much... It's weird because this game's been built up as such a massive game, but it was over from that moment, really. And, you know, it never really took on that sort of epic title battle that I think some of the City-Liverpool games have had in Mm. recent seasons. It was more a question of just marvelling at this magnificent Man City performance and the kind of dogged rearguard performance led by Ramsdale, which kept it 2-1-0 right up until just before the halftime whistle, Tom. Yeah, and Arsenal looked like they'd kind of got away with it in the sense that they had been battered but looked like they were going to be going in um, with only a one-goal deficit even after John Stone's header was uh, initially chalked off but then of course VAR spotted that that Ben White's foot was where it it shouldn't have been and and City ended up going in with uh, an advantage that you know, didn't even reflect to the extent of their of their dominance. Really, I mean, two 0 wasn't a bad scoreline for Arsenal, given how how uh, comprehensively they've been out outplayed. But yeah, that that second goal, and particularly the the timing of it, the circumstances of it, I think that probably did take away any real hope that Arsenal might have had of of mounting a fight back in the second half. And I think yeah, just to echo what Duncan was saying about the nature of that first goal in particular. It felt very typical of this this new city mm. that we've been, you know, getting familiar with the last few weeks. They are a much more direct team than than previous city teams, and it was it was a brilliant city performance. But it was it was a very very different city performance to the ones we've been used to seeing in recent years, where they just don't give their opponents a kick. I mean, possession was sort of broadly fifty fifty again. I think City might have slightly shaded it, but in keeping with the way they played against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, I think the real strength of this particular iteration of City is that they are absolutely exceptional without the ball, and you know we saw that again. In an evening of, of seamless excellence, did anyone stand out for you in particular? I get the the De Bruyne Haaland double act, and we're used to seeing De Bruyne, you know, putting goals on a plate for for Erling Haaland. We hadn't really seen it the other way around so much, and yeah, some of it was, you know, was quite conventional big man, little man stuff. Particularly that first goal, Haaland, you know, sort of dropping deeper to to win the first ball, and and, and De Bruyne running beyond him. Um, and again, just to go back to that first goal, I mean, it comes from John Stones with a kind of lofted pass slash agricultural hoof, the kind of thing that we used to think was anathema to Pep Guardiola. Actually, this current City team have no qualms about just getting the ball forward quickly um, and, and, it, and it worked a treat. And I think that was you know, something that, that Arsenal failed to get to grips with throughout. We should point out that John Stones, unlike recent games when he has been operating as a sort of auxiliary midfielder, was back in his traditional centre-back centre role and it was a back four and, and hitting the big man. It was, you know, pure heritage at points. Um, Harlan with two assists, that takes him to seven for the season, which um, I remembered uh, matches Paul Scholes' best ever total in a single Premier League campaign. So That's not just goals, um, also assists. Where, where does he stand for goals, though? Where are we now on the... So he's up to... Because he scored one at the end, as mm. you say, with his hair flowing. Mm. Um that takes him to 33 in the Premier League, which is a new record for any player in a 38-game season. And it takes him 
historically to 49. Right. Overall. Historically? Because Clive Allen did it for Spurs in 1987, didn't have hair like Haaland as far as I can remember. And it kind of, that's kind of stood as this kind of high watermark of goal scoring in, you know, in modern, I guess, modern-ish English football. So for Haaland to do it with plenty of games left to uh, to hunt down Dixie Dean 63, which is the all-time record. Um, 60 in the league, three in the FA Cup, none in the League Cup or Europe for Dean, um, largely because they didn't exist. So um, we'll let him off. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the... Is Harlan making City worse? Uh, chat has definitely possibly gone forever. What chat? I don't remember that chat. No, I don't remember it. Who no. <laughs> had a chat like that? So uh, ooh, what does the Opta computer say about the title probability now? Um, I think it's up to about 93% City 93%. now. So, the, you know, we are sort of, it was strange at the end of the game because everyone was almost, you know, I think some people would have happily handed City the, the trophy there and then, but they are still second. Right. They are two points behind Arsenal but the computer says 93% Duncan. yeah because they've got two that? games in hand okay so but it's kind of weird because we are it's the end of April mm-hmm. and I think we're conditioned to, in our sort of seasonal muscle memory to think that this is pretty much the end of the season but because of the World Cup we've still got you know six or seven games for most teams and um, Arsenal still have six or seven percentage points of yeah, chance yeah. that they could still take this title what, what does this do to Arsenal though we've had the the draws against lesser, in inverted commas, opponents. And now we've had this schooling and slightly averted spanking at the hands of City. What's that I mean, gonna leave? Where's that going to leave them? I think most Arsenal fans I could see online, Twitter and stuff, were pretty philosophical about tonight. But the players, you know, they've, they've had this dream that's driven them on. Well, I think they'd have got to that point in the last few games. I think the West Ham draw and the, and the Southampton one, I mean, you know, to relinquish six points, if they had... If they'd have got those six points, they could have gone to City tonight and lost and still had it in their hands. So, mm. so yeah, I think they looked a little bit overawed, but you'd expect that at the Etihad, I guess. I don't think tonight's going to make it any worse for them. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think one positive for Arsenal is that this game took place uh, when it did um, and not, you know, the sort of penultimate game of the season. There's another month of Premier mm-hmm. League football still to come. Um, they're probably not going to win the league, but they have, as of this evening, confirmed Champions League qualification, which mm. before the season started, an awful lot of people thought would probably prove beyond them. And it means that they now have the opportunity to get back to winning ways, you know, play some nice football again and and bring this absolutely remarkable season that they've had to a, a positive conclusion. Well, and also consider what they need to do in the summer. Well, I th- yeah, I think that's... And here's the- a question from Eshan Moslehi, who says, uh, oh, I hope you had a nice break, Jimbo. Thank you, Eshan, I did. Uh, <laughs> how does Arsenal treat the next transfer window, young breakout stars or some experienced cool heads to steady the ship? What do you fancy? Young cool heads, maybe. I think... To Tom's point, it is confirming Champions League qualification is massive for the club because that means for the first time in you know six or seven years they can attract players to Arsenal mm. with the promise of Champions League football. What, which kind of players? Cool-headed ones or, or young? I mean, I think they might have players. enough. Given the scenes at the full time, they might have enough hot-headed ones. Right. So maybe some <laughs> some cool heads. But I think the defensive cover. I mean, they must wish they'd not played Saliba in the Europa League because you know that is. I think if he hadn't got injured, right. The, the lot. maybe they would have lost tonight but I don't think they would have dropped six points in the previous three games I mean if they want to cheer themselves up and I'm, I'm, I'm sure they will they they don't need to look too far do they they could 
they could cast an eye down the road to their North London chums, Tottenham, or indeed across Westwoods to, to Chelsea. And they play Chelsea on Tuesday. They do, don't I they? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's doubly annoying for them now that they've been knocked out of the Europa League because that will give them some focus, right? Because they're going to finish second because they're 16 points clear of third place. So, you know, in a sense, there's no jeopardy in that regard. So if they're in the Europa League, that would... That would probably give them some more They've still sense got the title purpose. race. I mean, they've got a 7% chance. Yes, that's true. That's true. And they've got to go to Newcastle, haven't they? And they've still got to play Brighton as well and come to the World Cup. They've got to go to Nottingham Forest. They have, yeah. Yeah, which, uh, as, as you know... Say that about a man like Steve Cooper. <laughs> isn't easy. But, you, you know, you say about who they're going to sign in the summer where they go for experienced heads. Well, they signed Jorginho in January and he's mm. hardly played other than that goal that he mm. scored at Aston Villa. So that would suggest to me that it would be uh, more mouldable... 20-somethings. Um, did they bottle it in the end, Arsenal? And, and Alex asked, where does the phrase to bottle something come from? Given the lead they had, which they earned. I mean, they weren't given that. So but the last club to start a Premier League season with eight wins from the first nine games and not win the league were Arsenal in 2007-08. And the, before that, the last team to do it were Arsenal in 2004-05. So they, it, I think you can argue it both ways. They, okay. As Tom was saying, they didn't expect to be this good this soon. No, but from that position, and, and it's nothing about losing tonight at City. But I think the last, you know, the, particularly the last two games, I think that Liverpool, fair enough, drawing two-two, even if you were two 0 up. But to throw away those points against West Ham and Southampton, that there was a an element of le boute over it. We, which I mean, is not was... how they, the, the, Tom. Sorry, just as a international football. Uh, linguistic kind of expert fellow. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, they don't call it le l'embouteillage or whatever in France, do they? What well, they? I, they don't. I'm not sure they have an equivalent term in France. Surely I think that's all just because nations, bottling is so widespread in French sporting really? culture that you don't even mm. need to it's describe it. It's just kind of the yeah. norm. Um, but yeah, as for... As so when for, Paris Saint-Germain, what do they call that? Um, they, they just don't. They just say... Yeah, I'm not sure there's a particular... It's not, yeah, uh, it's it's not really kind of part of the kind of the, 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 the sporting lingo. Okay. Bottler. That is quite interesting, though, because I think there is a... There's a a revelry in rival fans seeing, seeing a team mm. blow a lead or blow a, a competition that maybe is, you know, perhaps more of, of English football culture than, than French. I mean, someone, someone did ask for... Um, uh, yeah, this fellow Alex here, where, where does the phrase to bottle something come from? Uh, yeah, so I have very hastily okay. g- Googled that. And there are, I mean, I... I um, <laughs> you could have done that yourself. I'm uh, <laughs> happy to be corrected on this. There's a lot of suggestions that it might be from rhyming slang. When you say a lot, because I saw one in the replies. Is that <laughs> what the rhymes with bottle? Well, Throffle. it's bottle. Mottle. See, this doesn't work in my accent, and nor, I think, would it work in your accent, Matt. But if you're a southerner, bottle and glass... Rhymes with your ass. Your ass. And you basically, you know. You've arsed it up. You've, you've glassed it up. Yeah. Oh, Tom. <laughs> but bottle and glass. Tom thinks it's a, late uh, night Hollyoaks with the northern. <laughs> the thing. I've had a beer. It's, it's late. Um, um, but bottle no, and glass isn't a phrase, is it? Well, I, you know, I, I mean, not with I've not. Well, made of glass. Sorry, did I say Cockney rhyming slatten? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what it is. Apparently. Is it okay? Well, so I mean, Alex, I'm sure. Sorry, we're not able to provide you with any further explanation on that. But it, it is fascinating. I, I feel a bit bad for even raising the question because it is 
an extraordinary season for Arsenal. Not one anyone would have expected. The fact that they had so many points that they are already guaranteed top four is 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 courtesy of a magnificent series of performances. And it's not a great surprise that the resources being what they are compared to one or two other footballing entities, they weren't able to sustain it in terms of personnel. They're not a they don't have a squad like cities. So yeah, it's unfair to even talk about it's it. It's cruel, it's unkind, mm. it does not reflect the important context of Arsenal's season. Yep. Will that deter rival fans from using it? No, it won't, because that's what being a football fan is all about. Lovely stuff. Well, what's coming up this weekend? Fulham hosts Man City and Arsenal hosts Chelsea, except it's not the weekend, it's all the way on Tuesday, is it, Matt? Yeah, rearranged it two weeks' notice by the police, apparently. Oh, okay. Chelsea, who had a bit of a disappointing Wednesday night themselves, we'll move on to that next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL, and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScore Bet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScore Bet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Hello, I'm Ian Irving, host of the Athletics Manchester United podcast, Talk of the Devils. And we are going to be bringing you the show live for the very first time in Manchester on Wednesday the 17th of May at New Century Hall. I'll be there alongside the usual cast of Andy Mitten, Carl Anker and Laurie Whitwell who'll be sharing their unique insight and unheard stories from covering United absolutely everywhere. As well as reviewing Eric Ten Hag's first season in charge at the club, we'll also take a trip down memory lane to mark a decade since Alex Ferguson retired. And of course, you can expect sweets and questionable cocktails aplenty. To book tickets, check out our social media channels for details or simply go to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils Live. See you there. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. This is The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Well, look, and they can pass it as well, and they're flowing forward. Brian and Bermo. Oh, it's a second for Brentford. Brian and Bermo off the bench as Brentford looked to be best in the West. So Wednesday night saw Man City beating Arsenal 4-1 at the Etihad. Also that evening, Nottingham Forest came from behind to beat Brighton 3-1. That's their first victory in 12 games, Forest. Liverpool had their third win in a row uh, away at West Ham, 2-1. And Brentford ended their six-game winless streak with a 2-0 win away at Chelsea. How many points are Chelsea away from the relegation zone, Matt? There are 10 points currently away from the relegation zone. They've been on 39 points, it seems like, forever. Mm. Uh, and if I tell you that Brentford won 2-0 by having one shot on target, that might give you a good uh, indication okay. of how so the you, game went. You were at Stamford Bridge while we were following the uh, the action at the Etihad. So how did they get this 2-0 win with one shot on target? Uh, well, Cesar Azpilicueta scored an own goal in the first half. Oh. This was his first appearance since February. So there was a, a lot of joy amongst Chelsea supporters to see the uh, the club legend back. And he got substituted at half-time having scored an own goal, which is, again, nicely indicative of how things have gone uh, so far. For Chelsea, uh, Brentford, I don't think they ever got out of third gear in this game. They really didn't need to. They let Chelsea have 72% possession, knowing that they were extremely unlikely to score. Thomas Frank said afterwards he was very surprised by the team that Frank Lampard picked, which kind of aped the one that he picked for the second leg against Real Madrid. Big energy was the idea, right. um, but absolutely no goal threat, obviously. So, um, yeah, Liam Toomey said it was the most attacking bench he'd ever seen. Yes, and he brought uh, Mikhailo Mudrik and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang off it at half-time. Okay. Um, didn't do much, if anything, to change the way that the team were playing, just put the two substitutes on and said, you're more attacking players. And to be fair, they were both an improvement on what had gone before them. But it is pretty sad watching Chelsea at the moment. That was that was what we were kind of saying around the gantry, which was half full with, with a lot of people watching the City-Arsenal game instead of watching the game that was in front of them. The stadium definitely wasn't full. I was able to, to head straight here from the sad factory in record time because there were no queues for the tube or anything because everybody had already left. And it was like Charlie Eccleshare said on Monday about Tottenham, an apathy kind of setting in and we can't be bothered to be frustrated anymore. That feels like the vibe to me at the moment. Whether that is, is partly because people don't want to boo Frank Lampard, I think that, that might be a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chelsea are rotten and they just are desperate for the season to end. And you can see why, why Maurizio Pochettino is not keen on taking the job before the end of the season because he doesn't want this stank on him. OK, I've been out of the country. Maurizio Pochettino? Is close to being appointed as the Chelsea manager. Uh, How which, close, Matt? <laughs> closer than he was... Uh, 
quarter to eight this evening. So it's all busy with because of that result. But this is something that's very much a reality. They're in talks, and it's it's just the paperwork. Yeah, he's not even using an agent. Apparently, he's just representing himself in the negotiations. He probably feels he's got quite a strong hand in those negotiations. Mm. uh, I would suggest. But Chelsea still got a lot of games to play, and it's difficult to see them not getting beaten in all of the remaining matches at the moment. So Frank Lampard's been in charge for five so far and how many of those have they lost lost them all they've scored one goal in the last seven matches uh, that was deflected um, it really is I mean atrocious it's not in, if Everton starts scoring goals which I know is a little bit of a stretch <laughs> but Cowart Lewin is, is back it's not inconceivable um, that Chelsea could end the season as the lowest scoring team in the Premier League which given their season and given the transfer windows would be extraordinary um, and perhaps prove that you do need a striker in football. It, it, it's funny though, the times when I watched Chelsea and there was a 15-minute vignette that we had mm. while we were waiting for the second half of the, the game at the Etihad to get back underway, when we watched the action at Sanford Bridge and it was chance after chance from Chelsea, they, were, they seemed to be a functioning football team, creating opportunities. A lot of players had shots from 25 yards and, right. and Thiago Silva passed one back to David Raya, but nothing that you'd call a genuine chance mm. and, and very much the sense of Brentford saying, let's just let the youngsters punch themselves out and then if and when we need to, we'll, we'll score a goal. And yeah, remarkable, remarkable just drizzle basically from Chelsea. You know, you, you, there are talented footballers there, but Enzo Fernandez is just not, he's not offered anything really yet. And, and it can't be easy for him to, to come into this team. And the hope would be that, you know, fellow Argentine with a, an excellent coaching pedigree will be able to, to make him the player that Chelsea spent £105 million on. But it's got to be pretty traumatic for him and for, for other people who came in in January, like Mudrik who comes on at half time and, and looks all right, but totally shorn of confidence. Madueke, same thing. And it's all just... It's all just pretty miserable, and, and they're not going to have Mason Mount and Reese James for the for the rest of the season either. Right. I mean, this season seems to be a bit bit of a write off. Is there anything particular they've got left to play for? Oh no. I mean, I mean, well, not, they, not finishing the season as the lowest ranked club in London. London. There's I mean, that, seven of that. Seven of the twenty Premier League teams are London sides, and if you're a time traveller, I wouldn't recommend wasting your time travel ability to do this. But go back to the start of the season and say Chelsea going to finish as the worst London club of the seven. Well, they you've they, been laughed out of your time machine. They, they're going to struggle. You know, they've laughed back into your time machine. You've just yeah. got out of your time machine. Yeah, they, but then you come back again to beat up the people that were laughing okay, okay got you yeah. so they go to Arsenal Tuesday Bournemouth away don't know which Bournemouth you're going to get uh, Forest at home maybe last three games Man City away Man United away Newcastle at home so Ooh, how many Tom, points you're making you this point they've got all the top four in their last six games and they basically junked the rest of the season when they appointed Frank Lampard Nothing mm. in Frank Lampard's admittedly still quite short mm. managerial career has suggested that he is capable of coaching at the very highest level. If they had appointed someone else who'd come in with some ideas and been, you know, a new broom, then they, they might have been able to find some kind of momentum, you know, give more minutes to some of the, the new signings. I mean, you can't fit all oh, of them the into the team players, because right? there are so many of them. But some of the younger players, mm. what is the point of Frank Lampard coming in if he's not going to try and do something positive with the team I mean that I mean the the box midfield of Fernandez, Kovacic Conte and Conor Gallagher I mean against Real Madrid it made some sense in a home game against the Brentford team who haven't won for six matches it makes no sense whatsoever and so you know it 
one of the reasons why clubs sack their managers is to try and it's a shortcut to bring about quick cultural change but in in making the appointment they've made they've just allowed the kind of bad vibes from you know everything else that's happened this season to just drag on right to the end of the well, campaign and brought in other people's bad vibes as well brought in some of Everton's I mean Lampard <laughs> I've said it before but Lampard will go down in history as the only manager to ever lose a Premier League game to Nathan Jones and, and they've brought that in that's what they brought in. Matt, you, I, I was walking down a beach in South Carolina the other day listening to you do a, an extended breakdown of Chelsea's structural woes in terms of their squad. But if you do get Maurizio Pochettino in, how, how good a match is that in terms of squad and man in charge? How much surgery would need to be done beyond the centre forward getting brought in? I, well, the surgery is about removing things rather okay. than enhancing uh, and I think that he would be pretty ruthless with that but there's the bones of a good squad there for Chelsea I, I don't doubt that I think there's players that Pochettino could get a lot more out of and Mudry could definitely be one of those and, and Mason Mount if he can persuade him to stick around would be another you know they've still got Angelo Conte they've, they've still got you know Wesley Fofana's been pretty good this season Chelsea's defensive record is actually not bad so there's there's definitely a base for him to work from but he I'm sure will demand the autonomy that is needed and as I say he's in a bargaining position now where he can definitely get that the, the problem that they're going to have is getting rid of the players that they need to get rid of to get the squad down to a manageable size and try and get some FFP compliance so it might be a case of a fire sale, sale or it might be a case of resurrecting the out on loan page on the mm. website which has been dormant for a how, how big is their squad at present oh it's 30 plus mm. which is is big too many yeah all right well they've got that trip to arsenal on tuesday and arsenal seems smarting of course from events this wednesday in manchester brentford meantime are going to be taking on forest matt were you able to keep one eye on forest even while you were even while you were commentating on chelsea uh, can I say yes without looking unprofessional? Uh, yes, I was. Uh, mm, magnificent. And what, what a performance. What a win. Yeah, I mean, incredible to come back from a goal down, which, right. which is Against not something Brighton we've done. Against Brighton as well. I yeah. Mean, and, yeah. I think it was a good time to play Brighton mm. after uh, their exertions on Sunday. And they, they made a couple of changes looking at their team. Um, and Forrest came into it. You can't really come into a game with momentum after you've been beaten in your previous one, can you? But it was a kind <laughs> of glorious defeat against Liverpool at Anfield. And... And maybe with the pressure off a little bit, I think people have sort of written Forrest off. And yeah, this was a game that they needed to win and they did do. I'm pleased that um, Brennan Johnson seems to have been taken off penalties, having missed one early in this game. Morgan Gibbs-White got the um, the second one and, and put it away. And for all the criticism of Forrest transfer policy, Morgan Gibbs-White is definitely um, one that has worked. And so is Kaylor Navas. And from what I've seen of the game, he made some brilliant saves. Yeah, well, uh, and Danilo, you know, young Brazilian who you, you kind of bring him in and think... Is he going to lose all his money in Bitcoin like Gustavo Scarpa did and have to keep going back to Brazil to try and recover it? No. He looks as though he might be a capable Premier League midfielder and he apparently ran this game for Forrest. So, yeah, as I say, I didn't see much from Brentford tonight that made me particularly wary, but Forrest are atrocious away from home. If they could get a point from Brentford, beat Southampton, win at Chelsea, that's nowhere near beyond the realms of possibility. That might be enough, but it's... It's the hope, isn't it? That's the problem. Mm. Wednesday was the first time this season they have won a game after conceding first. 3-1 it finished against the Seagulls and it's moved Forrest out of the bottom three. Leicester and Everton slipping down. Forrest currently lying a point above 
Leicester. Mm. Just to say on Navas, uh, undoubtedly some excellent saves, but he was uh, at fault for Brighton's goal. Okay. Shoveled a very tame shot uh, straight into the path of young Fecunda Buonanotte. I see that John Joe Shelby was not part of Forrest's lineup because he was told to stay home after his furious reaction to being named on the bench at Liverpool on Saturday. Yeah, this is the John Joe Shelby who uh, the best pass he's made since he joined Forest was giving it to an Aston Villa player to uh, lose his game a couple of weeks ago. Right. Uh, yeah, he's he's not worth a place in the team. And if he reacts that way to it, he's not worth a place in the squad either. Steve Cooper, as Daniel Story often says, has a no dickheads policy and he's breached it. So he's out. I see. I, I must admit, I'd, I'd missed the fact that John Shelby was even out. <laughs> it's a classic transfer for that, isn't it? It's we, very, we, very... Before this, before we, we were talking about how Alan Shearer is the answer to what? 20% of your football quiz questions. And I feel like Nottingham Forest will, in about 10 years' time, just say Nottingham Forest. If there was a, what other club did X player play for in their Premier League career? Nottingham Forest. Who won the European Cup and then retained? Uh, ah, no. <laughs> Ooh, West Ham won, Liverpool two. That was also on Wednesday and it marks a third straight victory for Jurgen Klopp's side who are back on the march. What are they marching towards? Marching towards fifth place, possibly. Okay. So, um, yeah, third win on the spin. Um, another quite scratchy win by the looks of things. Um, fell behind to uh, Lucas Paqueta goal. Um, Jared Bowen also had a goal ruled out for uh, offside uh, for West Ham. Um, but, yes, another win on the board for Liverpool and it leaves them a point behind Aston Villa in sixth place with... Uh, a game in hand um, six points uh, behind both Newcastle and Manchester United having played one more game than Newcastle and two more games than Man United so I mean if they if they you know if they win their last six games of the season mm-hmm. maybe there's a chance of, of top four if if, if really? Newcastle or United have, have a, a wobble but I, it, I, I would have thought it's looking more like a uh, a shootout with Villa and Spurs, who were level on points of Liverpool for fifth place. Okay. And, and Brighton as well. The other Liverpool goal, that bullet header from John Matip. Yes, mm. very bullety. Very, very bullety. satisfying kind of header. Projectile. Um, and Matip only playing because um, Ibrahim Akanate uh, was uh, absent through injury. Mm. So Strange was... position for Liverpool, isn't it? Because you want to push for the top four while there's a chance of it, but... Does Jurgen Klopp want to be playing in the Europa League? Maybe not, but he definitely doesn't want to be playing in the Conference League. I mean, he's been in the Europa League before, no? Yeah, but... But that was on the way up. Yeah, and what we think about Liverpool is that they have a tired, ageing squad that have played too much football in the Ah, last few years. I take your point, Matt. Very good. Some games are coming up on Thursday. And also coming up, Sheffield United, who were promoted to the Premier League on Wednesday with a 2-0 victory over West Brom. Matt. You had another eye floating around this one, didn't you? Yeah, they've been really impressive, Sheffield United, all season. They, they had a period where it looked as though they were they were threatening to kind of... It wasn't even so much then. They had a back-to-back defeat. They lost at home to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough have just been flying up on the rails uh, all season. But it, they've just managed to keep them at arm's length all the time. They've been really, really good at home, particularly um, at Bremer Lane. That thud, by the way, was... was Sorry, mad. that was me. That was no, me. Because he said at arm's length. Trying to demonstrate arm's length on a podcast. Weird, isn't it? They put cameras in the studio. It really throws you. 
Um, but yeah, they've been good, Sheffield United. I mean, it's another one of those cases whereby you look at it and think, well, having the three years worth of parachute payments has enabled you to keep a lot of players that otherwise would have left and make some stellar signings. And that's definitely a massive advantage. Um, but yeah, you, you've still got to go and do it. And and Paul Heckingbottom, not to everybody's taste, but promoted from why, within. Why is he not to everyone's taste? Oh, there was a bit of beef uh, with him and Forrest in the playoff. I see, not to Forrest season. fans' taste then. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they've Burnley have, have, have walked away with the league and, and won the title in the best way possible for them okay. uh, a night prior. But Sheffield United have been very good too. So Burnley, who I think have confirmed first place in the championship yeah. now. At Did Blackburn, yeah. no less. Uh, so yeah, right. no no sweeter place for They for milked it as well. Yeah. Until, yeah. until Vincent Company in one of the greatest acts of hashtag classy behaviour <laughs> I've seen all season actually stopped his players from rubbing it in in front of the Blackburn What were fans. they doing? So they had uh, an inflatable trophy and they were doing sort of mock trophy lifts in front of their own fans, but also occasionally turning to, um, you know, goad the Blackburn fans. Mm. And there was a brilliant video that I saw on Twitter, which I think had been filmed from the Burnley end. And you could see the Burnley players goading the Blackburn fans. And then the camera panned to the foot of the, the nearest stand. And there was a row of, of, of you know, young men um, standing right next to the barrier beside the pitch, absolutely livid. Absolutely livid. And I'm just, I'm always amazed that, that people are that easily wound up. I mean, you're, you've just lost to your greatest rival mm-hmm. and victory has given them the championship title. Of mm. course they're going to rub it in. Why are you like hanging around mm. to, to, to even watch it? Anyway. But even but, sweeter. But Vincent Company stepped in and was like, that's enough, guys. That's enough. Blackburn are going for the playoffs. So it, it's, it's not like it was a meaningless game for Blackburn either. So it, it really was. So we got tremendous. Sheffield United up and we got uh, Burnley up. And, and who's in the playoff picture? Changes hourly. But uh, Luton, Middlesbrough, Coventry, and Sunderland at the moment. So you, Millwall just dropping away a little bit. Uh, West Brom, similarly. But I mean, Middlesbrough under Michael Carrick play really brilliant football and Michael Carrick looks like Vincent Company to be a really promising up-and-coming coach but Luton in the Premier League would just be amazing, right? Kenilworth Road for a season. Well, they were founder the members of the Premier League in the sense that they helped form it before the season before it was came into existence. They were Notts County but never never got to play in it. So, mm. Just desserts if they come up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind Coventry coming back as well. Fans of 90s football will remember their... Checkered. Where next to Coventry City? Pleasing retro vibes from all four of mm. those heritage contenders. Mm. Football legacy, right there. Yeah. Okay. Still to come in this totally football show. Oh, there's that very exciting inter totally quiz round, and uh, we'll remind ourselves of what happened on Tuesday. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. 
And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Tuesday in the Premier League, Wolves ended the Hodgson honeymoon with a 2-0 victory. Villa moved up to fifth with a 1-0 win over Fulham. And a 1-1 draw at Ellen Road saw Leeds and Leicester sharing a meagre point apiece. Oof, that Bamford miss. Mm. Situation down there, as discussed, is that Forrest have moved out of the bottom three and Leicester have moved into it along with Everton and Saints are down there, of course, and Saints are now six points from safety. Yikes. Wolves, though, are they out of trouble? They are eight points clear and they had a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. The first goal contributed generously by Palace themselves in the shape of Wackham Anderson. That was unfortunate, although, Matt, I see you're chuckling. It was just hilarious, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to affect Wackham Anderson or Crystal Palace too much in football's entertainment. It certainly was. So it was Palace's first defeat in the five matches since Roy Hodgson returned. Here's a fun fact. I enjoy it anyway. Crystal Palace have been in 12th, not higher nor lower, for the last three months. They've just been stuck in 12th. Mm. Yeah. Patrick Vera m- must... I mean, he was one of the pundits for the City Arsenal game, and he must, you know, look at look at this run and think, "Well, I could have kept them in twelfth, probably." Um, obviously, Ruben never scored a penalty. Mm. Fans of that, you know, he only goes in the box to score penalties. Might know that in his Premier League career now, the updated figures are fifty-eight touches in the box, eight of which have been penalties. And scored. how many of them did he score? Them? score no, them. that's eight penalty goals. Yes, so, yeah. yeah, he did eight, eight, eight. Penalties day, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, he's the new up and coming perfect man to take on Yo Arturo's record. Which is 11 from 11. Mm. Mm. We thought Ivan Tony was going to smash it, but alas, not. Alas, not. That was on Tuesday, as was Aston Villa's 1 0 win over Fulham. And that is a game which takes Villa's unbeaten run to 10 matches in that time. They've only dropped four points. This was 1 0. Tyrone Mings with the goal. Fulham only have one shot. Not sure how tough a test Fulham are these days. They are going to be facing Man City. I mean, they weekend. had they had they'd won the previous two Fulham because they they I mean they have looked on the beach for mm. a while and obviously they're struggling. literally on the river as well. Literally on the river, mm. metaphorically on the beach, mm. um, and kind of metaphorically up. Creek without a striker in Alexander Mitrovic's right, absence right. Um, and played course, quite impressively. The current government sewage guidelines, the Thames probably is 
I mean, literally every body of water in the yeah. country yeah. Um, is probably. Danny Drinkwater, well, not from a river. <laughs> not in these parts. Um, but yeah, they, they were quite impressive um, when they won at, uh, at Everton uh, a couple of weeks back. Fulham beat Leeds at home last time out. So it looked like they were, you know, potentially to. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, does it? I mean it doesn't really matter what what Fulham do. But I mean, they are in this kind of weird situation of having had a very successful season and have, you know, kind of hit the skids. They're clearly not the same team without Mitrovic. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they've won 13 games. They've lost 13 games. They've, they've got a goal difference of plus one. They're, you, you know... Fair tenth enough. in the table. They what, are exactly what about, where, they, where they should be. What about Villa then, who are in fifth place, which if we were borrowing Duncan's time machine, mm. which I guess you could do pretty freely because it being a time machine, there's always going to be a time when... You could go to the, even if you were using it right now, I could go to the future when you're not using it. Yeah, but it depends what it's powered by. You know, That's we saw true. if it's plutonium, like right. the classic yeah. fuel. But let's just skip yeah. to the nux of this question That's then. <laughs> um, if Villa could beat Man United at Old Trafford on Sunday, are they going to be in top four contention? No. Oh, Their no. running's too hard, no. isn't it? I, I just I think I mean Villa are obviously on an absolute tear at the moment and Eno Emery is doing an incredible job um, and the fans are having a great time. The the problem they have is that there is okay, the gap between fourth and fifth between Man United and Villa is only five points, mm. but Villa have played three more games than Manchester United right. and have got a slightly fiddly end to the season. If Villa finish fifth it would be the most remarkable achievement. It would be up there with Arsenal, <coughs> right. vying so for the title. Confuse it but, with bids uh, for top four. Yeah, no, but, it's, but this it. Always, it always happens this day. This season. There's always a team that goes and run. You think, oh, maybe they get top four, and maybe the fans start to believe it. But if yeah. you know, if Villa finish fifth this season, even if they finish sixth, it will be a, well, sixth will game in the Europa League as well. Yeah, which, so. would, which would be incredible. And they're, yeah. they're the exact opposite of Liverpool, aren't they? They would attack yeah, the Europa League it. with gusto. Mm. It would be. No, he plays nice Chelsea. Currently, then Villa five points off the top four they've only got a point lead over the two teams behind them Liverpool and Spurs who both played a game fewer less I can't remember what is it a game less, less. game less less in that yeah. uh-huh. hmm. Leeds and Leicester uh, played each other on Tuesday and it finished 1-1 Patrick Bamford with an incredible miss in the 89th minute was that was it that incredible I mean, it was... Uh, was it a tougher chance than people give him credit for? I don't think it was, I, and I think he should have scored. I think because it fell to his right foot rather than his left, you were sort of less surprised to see him miss it. I think if it had been like a mirror image miss and it had fallen on his left foot, it would have felt like a worse miss because he is, you know, obviously a left-footed player. But it was a bad miss mm. and a big miss and, you know, Leeds are really desperate for points. So to have had... You know, an opportunity to to put three points on the board against a relegation rival, um, and and to have squandered it is the kind of thing that you know that, that could well come back to to bite them. Um, and you know, left off the back of the, the win over Wolves at the weekend, you know, probably quite happy with a point, particularly having been you know behind for most of the game. Jamie Vardy scoring his first goal in absolutely ages. Um, you know, James Madison back in the team after illness and and, and looking looking pretty sharp. Um, but yeah, I, you sort of you, you kind of worry that Leeds will 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 come to rue that that Bamford miss mm. in the weeks to come. If there were, if there was an award for heroic pre-assist of the season, that would be Kalechi and Ache, right? Pulling his groin, then passing the ball. <laughs> yeah. So how is he? 
<laughs> he looked in a bad way, didn't he? Yeah, I haven't he heard did. an update of him, but I mean, what a way to go out if that's his last contribution. Yeah. There was an amazing the replay angle from behind the goal, and it was just sort of all of human life in one move, <laughs> like Ihi and Acho, like kind of limping into the sort of leads half and then having to, you know, give the ball to my, you know, you go on without. Yeah, yeah very Vietnam War yeah, very film, wasn't it? Captain Oates. Very Captain Oates, yeah. yeah. I will assist you with this goal, I may be some time. Mm. Uh, one, one then in that epic encounter at Ellen Road. But Leeds are in a little bit of trouble, I'd say, because they've got Bournemouth away this weekend. Yes. Which, got to win that, haven't they? Well, yeah, and they've got history in that fixture. Oh, yeah? Yeah, 1990, they went there to seal promotion to the championship a la Burnley, from the championship, from the second division, as it was. And it, there was um, rough housing on the beach, shall we say. Oh, really? Mm. That yeah. Sounds like a euphemism, <laughs> but sure. Speaking about beach-based violence... One of my um, all-time favourite football chants is Swansea City fans singing Swim Away to right. Cardiff. Do you know this story? Yeah, they pushed them into the sea. Basically, they chased them down. A, a, a group of Cardiff fans were chased onto the beach by a group of Swansea fans after a game in 1988. And having nowhere to go, Cardiff fans got into the sea. And so when if you happen to be watching a South Wales derby and you wonder why there are thousands and thousands of Swansea fans all... Doing this, right? Mimicking breaststroke—that's what they're referring to. Mm. Not that we condone violence d- in this podcast. <laughs> or forcing people into the sea, or forcing people into particularly the sea, particularly in current government. Well, uh, indeed, sewage guidelines. All right. So that was the action on Tuesday. Uh, just looking ahead to what's awaiting us on Thursday. Well, there's Everton against Newcastle. Double exclamation mark. Southampton against Bournemouth. That is a huge. That's three at least of those. Pointy things. Uh, South Coast Derby and a key New game Forest in the Classico. New Forest Classico, etc. And I would suggest the pick of the bunch is Spurs against Man United. First of all, because it's two big teams. Secondly, because it's one big. T- I mean, the the ex rubbernecking on this is 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 vast. Mm. Um, how many can Man United get in the opening five minutes, etc. And also, is it going to be the first? game for Spurs with Ryan Mason back in charge after this this dramatic news on Tuesday I think that they had decided to dispense with on Monday I'm hearing Monday the club decided that uh, Christian Stellini that he couldn't fix things which is ironic because that's I mean that you know he that's what he got into trouble for at uh, <laughs> his time at Bar he got that two year suspension but uh, anyway he um, 14th he, departure of the season is that right? Mm. Okay. The record is extended. So 14th, and he goes out, and uh, then and, and Ryan Mason comes back in, who's who's been there before and done this before with some decent results, no? He had yeah. six well, Premier League in, games in charge. He came in for Mourinho, didn't he? He did. First game was the Cup Final. First game was the League Cup Final. Right, which, which they lost. Which they lost. But in the Premier League, they had six games. He won four of them. He said, having looked this one up. Uh, this was two seasons ago, as you say, post Jose. I mean, they obviously should have appointed him instead of Stellini. Hmm. But, you know, it's given everyone else a, a good laugh. So thanks, thanks to Spurs for that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I guess the, um, the, the challenge for Ryan Mason will be to try and, <laughs> try and, try and shake that, that 6-1 defeat at Newcastle out of the player systems as well. Where he has said he is ready. Ready for this and ready for more long-term plans if the club want to uh, 
It's a low bar, isn't it? Like, don't be worse than Stellini, don't be worse than Frank Lampard, and everybody says you've done quite a good job. Mm. All right. Is anyone optimistic about that squad with him and that running? I mean, Spurs were having a, a decent season in terms of where they were in the table up until quite recently. I mean, one of the kind of the curious things about Spurs this season is that you found yourself sort of talking about them and 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 how awful their football was and and how awful the atmosphere was, and yet they were just kind of hanging on there in the top mm. four for absolutely ages, um, and now you know all the shortcomings have 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 caught up with them, and and you know they find themselves in in seventh place, right. um, albeit ahead of this game on Thursday. I mean, there's, you know, there's clearly an awful equality in that Spurs squad, um, you know, that they are missing key players, you know, notably Rodrigo Bentancur, who's been a, a, a huge, huge absence. But it's not, it's not like there is nothing to work with there. For sure. And if Mason were to get a reaction from them, well, they're taking on Man United on Thursday, who do lie fourth, they could cut the deficit to the Champions League places to just three points. Yeah, and Man United are quite flaky as well, so... You know, that's what we're, we're definitely all in on a Spurs win against Man United. Duncan, what do you think? I think you make good points, but the atmosphere is going to be pretty, pretty horrific. I think the Spurs fans, not not with Ryan Mason, obviously, but mm. with the with the club hierarchy. I think there's a even lot after of... the Spurs uh, players uh, offered to refund travelling <laughs> fans for the trip to St James's Park. No, and only the ticket, like the, the train ticket, would have been. More than the match ticket. Yeah, the right? match ticket's capped, so they've uh, <laughs> you know they've, they've definitely hedged their bets with that one. But um, our friend Nick Miller wrote a piece this week in the Athletic, you know, decrying the concept of uh, of clubs and players refunding fans, which is I, I agree with him. Why so is that? What was Nick's? Uh, well, it's just it's part of being a football fan, isn't it? You, you, you know, you take you, your lumps. Yeah, you don't offer to pay extra when you've won six one. Well, I haven't. Yeah. No, that's no, fine. I agree. Mm. It's like the the whole you know sort of social media apology culture. Mm. Like you know, teams have to lose all the time. That's the nature of sport. It's you know just got to suck it up and what, crack it, on. That's why it's called being a supporter, isn't it? That's the difference between being a supporter and being a fan. Yeah, I'm going to hazard. I, I haven't really thought this one through. Mm. These are the best ones, though, James. Are they <laughs> when they just come out? So. I feel like there is there is one kind of contract between supporter and player, which is that, yeah, I'm going to lend my allegiance to you and I, I might watch you, I might buy some of your merchandise, I might contribute on some level. But when you're an away supporter, and that's, that's one thing, yeah, you, you take the rough and the smooth and that's... The bad times make the good times that much more special. But when you've got a game like away at Newcastle with all the logistics involved, and as you say, Matt, the amount of money that these people will have spent, that I totally get Nick's point and your point about apology culture on that. But I think some recognition from the players that they haven't done their side of the bargain. Like if they'd gone out there and they'd lost 2-1 or whatever, or they'd been a rash of injuries or whatever, but... By all accounts, I've only seen like that opening kind of 20 minutes bit. By all accounts, they were such a sorry excuse for a football team that they, I guess this is them going, I mean, it could be viewed as them going, listen, you know what? You made all of that effort and we didn't make all of that effort and we would like to make some gesture to 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 make up for what we didn't do on, on the day, which is obviously not appropriate because they should have done it. They should have let their football doing the refunding, as it were. But they didn't. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I suspect that it, it probably is a club orchestrated move rather than, say, the players going, lads, we've let the fans down, what can we do? But yeah, why do I know? It'd be interesting to know where that money actually comes from. Like, yeah. Did they get a thing on their payslip saying, deduction, £50, rubbish at Newcastle or something? <laughs> Tax deductible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess we'll we'll never know. St uh, James's Park. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah, very, very much so. So there you go. That's Tottenham Man United, which is coming up on Thursday. And I mean, I must say mm-hmm. that the Premier League has kind of smashed the the fixture list into. It's just been very confusing at the moment, isn't it? There's like games almost every day. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've said on this pod before that I'm a big fan of. Of league tables where teams have played different numbers of games. No, I, think, I like it. I like it. I know you, we had this debate, but even for a misaligned ultra like myself, right. I'm finding this this season the, the Villa scenario is particularly unsettling. Right. So, yeah. Also, because there is that creeping sensation that actually there's not a lot left to play for apart from that cluster thing down the bottom. I mean, yeah. I mean, and even the relegation battle looks very different um, to what it looked like a couple of weeks ago in that, you know, during that period, Palace and Wolves and, you know, maybe West Ham and Bournemouth as well have done enough to suggest that, you know, that they're not far away from from reaching safety. The title race, as discussed, despite the fact Arsenal are, lest we forget, still top of the table, uh, looks uh, like it's, you know, going to be sewn up fairly quickly. Um, with the games in hand that Newcastle and Man United have, top four could be likewise. So we we could be left with the you know the the mere crumbs of Europa League qualification and the last couple of relegation spots. But or, then that also happens. That, that always happens. It, I mean, does, I mean, it does. But here's another thing that always happens: you get a round of fixtures that suddenly turns all of your closely held certainties on their head. So maybe we'll be looking at a very different picture again by the time this weekend's games are. Are played. Let's have a look at what they are. Oh, look. Saturday kicks off a 10-day spell in which there'll only be one day with no Premier League action, Tom, for your games all over the your calendar. Uh, you've got three games this Saturday anyway. Brighton against Wolves, Palace against West Ham and Brentford, Nottingham Forest. Then on Sunday, there are four games at 2 o'clock. Man United taking on Aston Villa, Newcastle, Southampton, Bournemouth, Leeds, and Fulham, Man City. City have faced Fulham 13 times in all competitions over the last 11 seasons. How many of those 13 games have they won? That's right, 13. All 13, yeah. And Liverpool Spurs at 4.30. Good. Right, that's that. Except that now comes the real business. Next up, it's the Intertotally Cup Game 4. It's time for the Intertotally Cup with proceeds going to Prostate Cancer UK. To find out more about Prostate Cancer UK's work in football, join Prostate FC, the biggest team in football taking on the most common cancer in men. Save lives from the pitch, the sofa and the stands. Visit prostatecancerukorg prostatefc. All right, into Total Cup time, everybody. So far in this most uh, venerable of sporting institutions, we've seen Matt Davis Adams go through. That was exciting, wasn't it? Mm. Who did you beat? Charlie? No. Benji. Benji Lanyardo. Matt couldn't even remember. That's the that's the kind of dead-eyed quiz predator he is. Doesn't if you beat matter. someone, they're dead. They're, they're literally dead. dead. Rory Smith made it through to his enormous surprise. 
again. That was on our last show. And uh, producer Charlie made it through against you, Duncan. Mm. Producer Charlie, he's so focused he didn't even know he'd won. Is that right? I'm sad to report he shook. I shook his hand to congratulate right. him, and he looked confused and said, "We've got to do a tie break, haven't we?" So, but but he'd already won. Yeah, but again, just super focused. But you know, I, I'm kind of glad to lose a man who can edit any of my words into any order. I'm, right, I didn't want to anger him, so all good. <laughs> who knows what order he's put them in in this in yeah. this show, Duncan? All right. Uh, anyway. Uh, match four is Tom Williams against Adrian Clark. Oh, that's a that's a good tie for Adrian Clark. I'm thinking Tom with your your record. But hey, enough from me. Let's hand over to Matt Davis Adams, who's already done this bit. We're just going to roll some tape, Matt. Here we go. Into totally time then. The competitors are being whittled down as we get closer to the quarterfinals. Prize on offer for today is a last date meeting with yours truly. But which two Team Totally members are meeting today for the right to earn that drubbing? Let's meet the contestants. Up first, he's lost in the first round of every Inter Totally Cup, but to quote an extremely famous Welshman, he's still here. Ready to give him some sugar, it's Tom Williams. Well, Tom, I'm surprised you didn't go for Everybody Hurts, given what we've just heard about your previous record. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I missed the trick, didn't I? I mean, I'm trying to remain upbeat, despite the very dispiriting record of played three, lost three in my Intertotally career today. Well, look, I went against the odds. Rory's won against the odds. So um, so maybe it's going to be three for three in terms of upsets. But there's somebody who's hoping that's not going to be the case. Let's meet your opponent. And his opponent. He's a former Arsenal winger with the freedom of South End. Specialist subjects include the EFL and Maradona's pyjamas. So give it up for Adrian Clark. you and I have been friends and podcast pals for a number of years now. I didn't have you marked as an out here, brother. <laughs> oh, it takes me back to the to the nineties. Those those dance floor days, great days. Play on a Saturday afternoon, hit the dance floor on the Saturday night, get hammered, and do it all again the following weekend. Those were the days. Uh, is that the best song called "Boom Boom Boom" from the nineties, or does that go to the Vanga Boys? This isn't part of the quiz, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I chose this one for a reason. It's, it's up there for me. It's, it's, it's a good one from back in the day. Um, but yeah, I don't have a great record either. I don't, I don't think this would be an upset if, if Tom were to beat me. I've yet to progress either in this competition. This feels like the equivalent of that dreadful Euro 2000 group game between Germany and England that was memorably described as being like two drunks brawling in a car park. That's, that's, basically, that's basically where we are. All right, well, uh, we're not just playing for personal pride here. The winner will receive a £10 bet, which live score bet will place on a wager of your choice with the winnings going to Prostate Cancer UK. Tom, what's your bet, please? Um, I'm going to bet on a score draw in this weekend's uh, Liverpool Spurs game. Okay, sounds feasible. Adrian, what about you? I've picked the same game, funnily enough. Um, I'm going to go for 
uh, a Liverpool win and over three and a half goals. I'd, I'd just love to see another battering. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be happy to put money on it. All right, that is the pick of a gambling expert, if not a quizzing expert. We shall see, though. Tom, you're up first. Five questions. Here we go. Which player has scored the most hat-tricks in Premier League history? Yeah, I feel like it should be a really obvious answer, but there's something about this. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Question that makes you think that maybe it isn't. Um, Sergio Aguero. He's absolutely correct. Well done, Tom. On the board. Uh, question two. Georgie Kincladze's most famous English club was Manchester City, but which other Premier League club did he represent? I don't actually remember him playing for any other Premier League club, so this is going to be a punt. Was it Southampton? It's not a bad guess, that, but it's not right. Adrian, no points for you here, but you can get in your opponent's head by pinching it. No, i got nothing. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't remember him playing for anybody else. All right, well, it's an eminently forgettable club, in my opinion. It's Derby County. Who are you also? Uh, yeah, yeah, that figures. Okay, so one from two. Question number three. Only one of these players appeared for Sam Allardyce's Bolton. Which one? Lauren Robert, Ivan Helguera, Aliou Cisse or Vincent Candelar? Uh, can I have them again, please? Only one of these players appeared for Sam Allardyce's Bolton. Which one? Lauren Robert, Ivan Helguera, Aliou Cisse or Vincent Candelar? I'm going to say uh, Candela. Very good. Two from three. Okay, your penultimate question. Which Premier League club trains at Finch Farm? Finch Farm is Everton. Finch Farm is indeed Everton. Right. Three is about par. Four, you put yourself in with a really good chance of a first ever quarterfinal place. Here's your final question. Who am I? I am British. I won the European Cup as a player, although I was probably best known for being the subject of a famous transfer. I went on to play for two clubs in Serie A and I managed four clubs in England, although I have not managed since 2003. Easy if you know it. And from the grin on Clark's face, he would have liked this one as one of his five. Can I have it again, please? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I? I am British. I won the European Cup as a player, although I was probably best known for being the subject of a famous transfer. I went on to play for two clubs in Syria and I managed four clubs in England, although I have not managed since 2003. Um, I have to hurry you, Tom. Yeah, between two, I'm going to say Graham Souness. That uh, was the other one. Tell him, Adrian. Trevor Francis? It certainly was. Trevor Francis was the, literally the first name that came to mind. <laughs> and I, I just, I just, yeah. There you go. My inter-totally like cup shortcomings pursue me. Trevor Francis, of course, won the European Cup with Nottingham Forest. So that is three out of five. Adrian, it's, mm. a, it's a beatable score. But it, it's not a foregone conclusion. Let's I don't think I've ever go. got more than three. So let's, let's see how we go. You're going to have to if you want to avoid the tiebreaker. Here we go. First question. Which player has scored the most penalties in Premier League history? From 12 yards. He's the deadliest marksman. 
I mean, the boy Harry has got has got plenty, hasn't he? Um, Gotta say, him him or Shearer who's chasing down. I think Shearer missed a lot. Gotta go for Harry Kane. Oh, it was Alan Shearer, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) They're the ones that sting the most. (laughs) So close. The penalty hit the bar and came back out. Question number two. (laughs) JJ Okocha's most famous English club was Bolton Wanderers. But which other Premier League side did he represent? Hmm. Be on a sticky wicket if you don't get this right. Yeah, big time. And I have to hurry you. Yeah. Um, Middlesbrough. It was Hull City. We, we could have been guessing for a long time <laughs> without getting that one. Adrian, you need oh, to get dear. all three of these right Pressure. to force a tie break and uh, give those who wanted the all what the EFL quarterfinal <laughs> what they're after. Here we go. Question three. Only one of these players appeared for Harry Redknapp's Portsmouth. But which one? Emerson Tome, Steve Stone, Matt Janssen, or Alpi. <laughs> Lovely to hear his name get a mention on the pod. <laughs> oh, go on, rattle through them again very quickly. Is Emerson Tome, a... Steve Stone, Matt Janssen, Alpi. I mean, Steve Stone is a is a very sort of old old head type signing, isn't he, for, for Harry Redknapp? Um, something's putting me towards Alpi as well. Um Let's go for Steve Stone. Hey, you're on the board. You're right, though. Alpi reeks of red nap, so that is something of a surprise. <laughs> uh, you still need to get all these right, though. Which Premier League club trains at Bodymore Heath? Oh, that is, uh, that's Aston Villa. Sure is. Here we go, then. Lovely bit of tension here. Got to get this right. If you do, we go to a tiebreaker. Who am I? I am British. I won the European Cup as a player and was part of a famous strike partnership in the 1970s. I've managed both Real Madrid and my country on two separate occasions. I've also managed clubs in Portugal, Turkey, France, Morocco and Azerbaijan. I think I know it, but tell me the first bit again. I am British. I won the European Cup as a player and was part of a famous strike partnership in the 1970s. John Toshak. John Toshak, we go to the tie break. (laughs) The tension. We are using here what is known as the Jack Lang rule, whereby the contestants text their guest to producer Charlie, who passes them on to me, so nobody can sully the reputation of this quiz like Jack did back in season one. Here's the question. Nearest wins, Manchester United are top of the all-time Premier League table. How many points do they have in the 31 seasons of the Premier League from 1992 to date? Oof. Text your answers to Charlie. He'll pass them on to me. Not a case of fastest finger first. It's most accurate finger first. <laughs> That question again. Manchester United are top of the all-time Premier League table. How many points do they have in the 31 seasons of the Premier League from 1992 to date? The answer we were looking for was 2,425. I can tell you that Adrian guessed 2,320, which is a very good guess. 2,425 was the correct answer. 
Tom Williams says 2-4-60 and progresses to the quarterfinals. <laughs> well done, Tom. History's made on Zoom. At long last. Well, I'm happy to have that monkey off my back at last. Same year Wales gets their first World Cup in, what, 50-plus years? This can't be a coincidence. There you go. Things are, things are finally looking up. I just want to congratulate Adrian on a, a, a fair... Uh, fair and very enjoyable battle and you know it's come down to the lottery of the tie break you know what can you say so it's a cool way to go out very generous yeah now please please for you tom please please for you. that was a terrific guess even though really if you go over on, on the on the guess it should be disqualified but, um, <laughs> but it's, it's fine congratulations mr williams you're through to the next round of the intertotally cup and if you think that Tom's onto a winner with his bet that it'll be a score draw between Liverpool and Spurs, it's priced at 7-2 at LiveScoreBet.com or on the LiveScoreBet app. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Wow, Tom Williams, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks, James. It's good to get that, good to get that first hurdle yeah, clear. Just to clear it clear for the it. first time in my and totally career. Interesting that my uh, Alan Shearer theory was born born out, but yet also brought into question in the course of that because there was one answer, that, one question that you 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 reached for Shearer, and and wrongly as it turned out, but then another one in which it very much was Alan Shearer. So, so the theory is basically 50, sometimes 50. the answer will be Alan Shearer, <laughs> sometimes it will not. But if you don't know the answer to a question, if it's a player, Alan Shearer, and if it's a club, Nottingham Forest, I reckon... Any you go other, far. Any other... Jürgen Klinsmann's always a good one. Jürgen Klinsmann. Yeah. Any other quiz hacks, Matt? Pickles. There, bingo. Oh, to, actually, just to end the... You mentioned pickles, Matt. Mm. Friday's 100 years since the first FA Cup final at Wembley, the White Horse final. But that is what's it got to do with, with pickles? pickles? With dog and a horse. <laughs> what they're both animals? Yeah, right. that's not a it's late. We've all had a few drinks. Games yeah, played at what? Wembley. Yeah. yeah. All right then. Um, I mean, it's all football, isn't it? Was a horse called Pickles? Billy. Ah, yeah, Billy. Billy the white horse. Mm. Pickles the dog. If you're up curious, there together, probably. Go on then. Down. Since we're there, so the White Horse final, there, so, were, there were way too many people. Wembley opened, brand mm. new stadium in the countryside then. Mm. Mm. Too many people turned up. They tried to do pay on the gate. Um, you know, like Wembley. So. When you say too many, and, we're talking about what, 120? No, to, it was reported to be like 200,000. Oh, really? And they spilled onto the pitch. I think it was quite a, quite a dangerous situation. Yeah. And it was eventually, apparently... The situation was calmed by a, a one lone Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gandalf turned up and was like, "You shall not pass through to the yeah. Cup Winners' Cup." Um, but yeah, the, I presume there are other horses as well. But the white horse. No, stood but out. The, I mean the narrative is very much well, copper yeah. on a Bobby. Sorry, Bobby mm. on a uh, you know uh, when when the when the when the uh, unwashed looked up and saw this figure of authority on this resplendent. Horse, they, they shadow facts. Yeah, they they kind of doffed their caps and tugged their forelocks and when uh, scurried back into scurried the stands back, and, yeah, yeah. to the hovels to yeah. make coin for their masters and stuff. Course, and a good thing too. Famously, Billy the White Horse was not actually a oh. white horse. No, it was a grey horse, but looked white because it was black and white in there. Oh, days, and Pathé. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Horse was, washing. Was definitely a horse, though. Horse Just, washing. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> well, if you'd washed it, it might have been white. Maybe so. 
That's as far as we're going to go with this one. We'll have more Intertotally Fun in Monday's edition of the show. Do hope you'll be joining us for that and that you have a terrific time. In the meanwhile, for now, it's many, many thanks to producer Charlie, to Matt Davis-Adams, uh, to Duncan Alexander and Tom Williams, and you, listener. Have a great weekend. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.